Welcome to Breaking Bread. My name is Sabrina and I am the creator and the host. I am looking forward to having dinner with you and that is the essence of what Breaking Bread is about. It is about the art of conversation, about the exchange that we can have, things that are breaking the internet, breaking culture, and in some cases, breaking society. I will be joined by five guests, all strangers. They don't know the topics, but what we are doing is creating the organic conversation. Now, it will be unfiltered. All views around the table are welcome. And so let me say, trigger warning, there may be some topics that we address, positions that people have that may be triggering for you. So viewer discretion is advised. Now with that, grab your food, your drink, and join us around the table as we break bread. Welcome to the Break and Bread table, guys. Welcome. Hello. Hey. <laughs> How are you all? I'm good. Very excited about this. Hungry now. I am very excited. It is a pleasure to break bread with you. But before we tuck in, we have the lovely Chef Karen here with us, who is going to introduce what we're actually going to be eating. So over to you, Chef Karen. Okay, hello all. Hello, Chef. Hi. Hello. Hi. So your starters is pumpkin soup with some hardo bread. And you've also got refreshments on the table, which is some fruit punch. And for those who want to drink alcohol, you have miniature um, Rain Nephew bottles to top up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Tuck I will in. be chopping up. <laughs> <laughs> so I asked you all, did you have any ideas what I was going to, you know, question, discuss, etc. And as we are moving into the holiday seasons, uh, there are some things I think we need to settle. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the first question is: Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Oh, yes. Yes or no? So, Anu, yes. Okay. Chris, yes or no? Yes. Joe, yes or no? Yes. Alicia, yes or no? No. Ooh, I love dissent. I love dissent <laughs> at the table. Larry, yes Absolutely, or no? yes. Absolutely, oh, yeah. yes. So, Alicia, you are my lone dissenter. <laughs> Let us know why is Die Hard not a Christmas movie? I can't say yes because I haven't seen it. Mm. That's my honest answer. <laughs> That's my honest answer. <laughs> Good answer. That's, That's it. I'd be lying if I said yes like everyone else. I haven't seen it. I thought you were going to give us something profound. No, no, no. <laughs> I wasn't ready for the rolling up of the sleeve. So why is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Larry, you said that so emphatically. Yes. Uh, it's set at Christmas, which is a clue. Lots of Christmas trees. And he's trying to get home for Christmas for his estranged family. How much more Christmassy can that possibly be, <laughs> Sabrina? <laughs> Um, but also, people who love Die Hard will always say it's a Christmas movie because then you can watch it all year round, including Christmas, when your family want to watch It's a Wonderful Life for the hundredth time. Anu, you were the first one in the gate. Yes! Why is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I think it's one of those things which is tradition, like nobody knows why people have turkey at Christmas. I mean, Jesus had nothing to do with turkey, did he? But this is just one of those things that's tradition and I am a very traditional person. Second thing, I think there is just an overload of jingly, very happy clappy, <laughs> you grant kind of stuff. So when you have a contrast, when you have a Bruce Willis, all very hot looking, 
I think it makes a big change. So your tradition is for things to be blowing up by Christmas? My tradition is to look at good-looking men at Christmas. That's what I <laughs> <laughs> My kind of girl, Adam. My kind of girl. Chris? I, I, um, I'm going to double down on what Larry said and what my friend said here in the terms of it's, a, it's a definitely a Christmas movie in terms of the narrative, mm -hmm. the timing when it's set, and I also think it goes against what a traditional Christmas movie is. Um, the timing of it as well in terms of when the networks play it is always during the festive season as well. So it's an integral part of the programming. And on just on a personal level, my nephew who's 13, when he was just born and came home shortly after Christmas, his twin sister had to go to the hospital and I was so nervous looking after him because he was really small. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that would stop him from crying was watching Die Hard. <laughs> so that's what you I literally had him on my lap. And we were watching Die Hard. So every time I watch Die Hard, I think of Christmas and I think of taking care of my nephew. Fantastic. Brilliant. And Joe, why is it a Christmas movie? Do you know, I'm a bit newer to this. It hasn't always been a Christmas movie. I'm not quite a, you know, a diehard, diehard with some of these other people, but I'm also, it's a majority rule. I'm the only female in my house. Oh. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, it's diehard on the TV. I, I don't need to blow everyone up at Christmas, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna buck the trend either. Fantastic. Next thing to settle, celebrations or festival at Christmas, the chocolate tin. Celebrations or festivals? Which one? Chris, you were looking up in the sky, so I'm coming to you first. Celebrations or festival? Celebrations. Mm. And it was celebrations or festival? I'm not British, so A, I absolutely don't get this. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to pick a chocolate. Which tin are you going to pick? Celebrations or? Festival. The, the I don't know what festival is, but I know what celebration is. So and for go that, I'm going with celebrations. celebrations. Larry, celebrations or festival? Never had festival, mm. so I'll go with, I know it exists, so I know, yeah. but I'm going to go with celebrations. Okay, Alicia? Celebrations, 100%. Joe? Yeah, same, I've never heard of festival. No one's ever heard of festival? Mm. Has anyone, you've had I've it? heard of it once, but I've never had it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon Just celebrations heroes. market so share is higher yes, than yeah. festival. Yeah. Yeah. It's the blue oblong box that you get as opposed to the round tin that, um... I've had heroes. Have you had heroes? Heroes, yes. heroes but not... Not festivals. So quality street. Celebrations or heroes? I still go with celebrations. Quality street or celebrations? Mm. Celebrations, yeah. What about you? Quality street or celebrations? Celebrations. Mm -hmm. Quality still. street has toffees in. I'm a toffee mm -hmm. girl. I'm by the devil. Girl. What about you? This is a tighter decision for me, but I'm still going to go with celebrations. Still celebrations. <laughs> I'm sticking to celebrations. <laughs> and it was like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> yeah. Quality celebrations. But if it was heroes. But? If it was heroes, <laughs> it was heroes, heroes will win. Why heroes? Because the chocolates in heroes are divine. <laughs> like they're, I think a lot of them are dairy milk. Oh yes. Them, yeah, they're, they're divine. Yes. So oh they, they win. Oh, where are the twirls? The twirls, the twirls are in both. I think mm -hmm. they're in both. Yeah. Okay, then. So I'll stick with I'll stick with celebration. There we go. Gingerbread or shortbread? Mm. Ooh. Gingerbread or shortbread? The questions are getting harder. <laughs> <laughs> We're just warming up. <laughs> gingerbread or shortbread, bread. Joe? Oh. Are you asking what we eat or what we prefer? Now, I don't clarify. Oh, of course, it's yeah. how you and receive the question. Do I always like to clarify? You, yes, and how you want to answer the question. So gingerbread or shortbread? Shortbread. Shortbread. Gingerbread or shortbread, Alicia? Short. Shortbread. shortbread. Yeah. Gingerbread or shortbread, Larry? Gingerbread. Mm -hmm. 
I love with the scent. Mm. And your gingerbread or shortbread? Shortbread to eat, gingerbread to make. Which one? <laughs> we can do both. Pick oh, one. Life is too short for that. Shortbread. Shortbread. Short definitely. I'm going to go with shortbread. So you are my only dispenser, gingerbread, or did you say you said shortbread as well, right, Joe? I did, yeah. Okay, so why gingerbread, Um, I love ginger, ginger biscuits. Mm. Um, gingerbread reminds me of that smell at Christmas when you're a kid, mm. where shortbread oh. doesn't smell of anything mm -hmm. that I can think of. So it has that real Christmassy feel to me. Plus, I don't have gingerbread any other time of the year, mm -hmm. so it's special, whereas you'll eat shortbread during the course of the year as well. So that isn't Christmassy for me. I'm referring back to the previous conversation about mm. what makes it Christmas. So I think it's the Christmas link that gingerbread gives me, which gives oh it the edge. I have the opposite experience. I'd eat gingerbread. That's why I said, if it was gingerbread, which do you prefer? We would eat gingerbread all the time. Mm. But at Christmas, we buy shortbread. That is a shortbread kind of tradition. And we spend time up in Scotland. So, mm. so yeah, you've got to be a bit loyal. What about you, Anu? You said shortbread. I said shortbread because when I first moved to this country, I couldn't get understand this country's obsession with biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> I thought people are obsessed with biscuits and asking, you okay? A, I am okay. B, I don't understand why there are biscuits every day. And that's the only biscuit. I'd literally never had a biscuit in my life before. I just don't like the product. But I fell in love with shortbreads. So are you okay? I'm okay now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy bread. if people eat them. I still don't eat biscuits except for shortbread. Thank you, Larry. You're welcome. Alyssa. Do you know what? With, um, I feel like with shortbread, it's Moorish. So when you ask me the question, I was thinking to myself, if I was being greedy one day and I just had to have one after the other, what one would I eat more of? And it's shortbread. Like they just melt in your mouth and you can just have another one and another one and another one. Whereas gingerbread, I'm good with one. Yeah, maybe two, but no. shortbread just melts. Mm. So you prefer mm -hmm. the Moorish? The Moorish, like, yeah. I'm, I'm literally feeling like I need more of that. Okay. <laughs> and as you are being a gentleman and pouring out punch, Chris, round us out. I'm going to go with shortbread simply because I, I grew up having shortbread a lot during, during Christmas, you know, growing up in a, a Jamaican household, it's probably not the norm, mm -hmm. but we had shortbread a lot. On a personal level, my, my best friend is half Scottish. And he's half Colombian, which is a, a, it's a wow. crazy mix. That's an amazing but mix. When it comes to food, it's a good time. Um, <laughs> so every time at Christmas, you know, he does request some shortbread. Mm -hmm. And he has a certain taste. So I go to Fortnum and Mason and get him his shortbread. And just this week, I, had, uh, I went to a restaurant and had carrot juice with shortbread crumbled on the top. Ooh. It was Whoa. a revelation. <laughs> carrot juice and shortbread. Yes, yes, oh. yes. What restaurant was this? This, was at, the, this was at the pop-up um, at the Lanham Hotel. It's called the Good Front Room, and I had carrot juice. It's Caribbean mixed with fine dining. Yeah. Mm. Carrot juice mm. with crumbled shortbread on the top. Yes, yeah. you can take us. I'm gonna have to. Um, I'm gonna have to do a drive-by. Mm. It was yeah. insane. That, that and it reactivated my love of shortbread. I'm like, yup, I'm back in. Ooh. <laughs> sounds really good. It was good. <laughs> Next question: Mold wine or mold cider? Mold wine. Mold wine. Every day. Mold wine. Chris? Mold wine. Mold wine every day. Larry? As I absolutely detest mold wine, <laughs> I will have to go with mold cider, even though I've never had it. I know I know I'd prefer it. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> 
why was this why was it such an easy choice for you, Alistair? Okay, so my memory of Mold Wine Lab is um, back in the day I used to work at, do you know National Theatre in London? Yeah. Mm. So I used to work at a bar on the, on the South Bank and during Christmas time we sold Mold Wine. But we were never really allowed any. So because we weren't allowed someone on the work shift, I used to sneak some in my coffee cup <laughs> on, on my work shift the whole time. So I'm there drinking coffee and it's Mold Wine. And it used to taste like that introduction to mulled wine. I was like, I love this drink. Like it was warm, it was toasty, and then it made me feel a little bit like merry on the work shift. <laughs> so, the, so the memory. <laughs> Shout out to your former bosses. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fine. Was <laughs> I was knocking back <laughs> the mulled wine, and I was. And ever since then, I've been like, yeah, mulled wine. It makes me feel nice, and it tastes so good, and it just reminds me of just warmth and comfort and it almost hugs you. You know when it goes like a throat, it's just like, mm. Like, so yeah, At least you'd be doing an advert yeah. on television. It might be enough for me to try it. Yeah. I was just going to say that you might want to give it a try this year, Larry. Mm. It sounds a little bit naughty and nice the way you do it. Mm. It's bringing you back. We can, we can see it like you had a moment. <laughs> We're here for it. Thank you very much for uh, indulging me. It's that conversation is about choice. So choices between the various things that we have access to, that we have privilege in and for. As we know around the world though, not everyone has choice. Not everyone can indulge, not everyone can engage. And you were all partly right, because I would be remiss not to mention conflict today because we are here in London, but people around the world are dealing with conflict. There's conflict in Israel and Palestine. There's conflict in the Democratic Republic of Congo. There's conflict in Sudan. There's conflict in a number of regions. What I wanted to ask you, though, around choice is there are several business leaders who have come out with their stance where Israel and Palestine's conflict is concerned. Um, you had Fadzaya Manzengarai, who is the strategy director of Ofcom. She didn't come out publicly. She posted her comments on her private account. She's now suspended. You have a whole list of other leaders who've come out, um, majority pro-Palestine stance, who are either suspended or they're fired. So my question for you, first question, should business leaders make what some would be, could perceive to be a political statement? Yes or no? That's the first question. Should a business leader make what some would per, uh, perceive to be a political statement? Yes or no, Anu? Absolutely yes. Yes or no, Larry? Yes. Yes or no, Alicia? Yes. Yes or no, Joe? Yeah. Yes or no, Chris? Yes. Okay. So leaders should make political statements. Should they face the consequences of being fired because they've made a political statement, yes or no. So if they're gonna make a statement, they're within their right to. However, they work for an organization. It's not an advocacy body. They are representing an entity when they're speaking out. So should they be fired or suspended or all the other consequences if they make a political statement? Yes or no, Joe? Come back to me. Yes or no, Chris? No. Yes or no? Anna? No. Yes or no? Anna? No. Yes or no? Yes. Yes or no? I think I'm going to say yes. Okay. And we have mm -hmm. dissent. So, why yes 
uh, for the yeses around the table. Uh, why should they be fired? Why should they face those consequences, Alicia? Because I feel like when you put your political perspective out there, you're kind of demonstrating your values as a person. Like you're putting it out there to the world. You're putting out what you stand for, what isn't, isn't okay. It demonstrates the type of leader potentially that you could be. And if that could be demonstrated as harmful to the people that work within your business, then you need to be removed. Because we don't like the trust. If I'm running a business and a leader says something that is politi politically really completely wrong and incorrect in, from our perspective or immoral and doesn't align with our values, I can't trust you as a leader in my business. I can't. But since when have businesses been so? So before you challenge, state <laughs> your position first, Anu. So you said no, so state why no, and then you can challenge. I don't think leaders should be fired for their political positions. Why? Because A, since when have businesses been really on the right side of morality? I mean, they pollute the world, they destroy the ecosystems. Only when it hurts their businesses do they want to take a moral stand and say, we're going to fire our CEO because she or he said something. So A, I don't really buy the moral agenda. B, as an individual, I am allowed to have personal opinions. I might be the CEO of the biggest bank in the world, but hey, I do have a life beyond it and I am allowed that life. If I want to sleep with somebody, if I want to have a political view, that's my choice. At my interview, did you ask me what my views in Hamas and Gaza are? You didn't because nobody knew this was happening. C, do you really know today which side is right and which side is wrong? Hugo Boss was supplying uniforms to Nazis. We haven't really banned Hugo Boss, have we? Today, it's very hard to say who's right and who's wrong. So if you can't decide that for yourself, don't judge the other person. Freedom of speech is a basic human right. We can't take that away. Can I respond to that? Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. So I understand what you're saying in, in regards to, you know, not all businesses are, are moral and you don't ask that question in interviews and you don't know. But when you've put something out there, you are now representing the business on a leadership scale. And now we know. We don't know the political standpoints for every single person in the business or every leader. We don't know. So we can act a little bit ignorant and continue working. But now we know how you feel. Now we know what you think and your values and your morals. Now that needs to be addressed. Because for me, personally, when I work, when I do business with someone, I won't work with you if our values are not aligned. Point back period. If I don't know that, then that's fine. But if I now know, I can't act on that. And that's where I think in the circumstance that people should be fired, if their political opinion is out there and outrageous, then I think they should suffer the consequences of that. Joe? What say you? It's, it's a little bit similar in terms of, I believe in the right for free speech, but with that freedom comes responsibility. So if you say something, then you've got to take the, you know, you can act as you wish, but then you will have the consequences of whatever that might be. However, and the bit that I was sort of humming about, not just because of my, my, my normal state, is it's about who, makes, who has the power to make the decision about what's right and wrong. Because it could be unfair and it could be fair. But I, I, I agree with you, Alicia, in that, that you know, if our values are not aligned enough, I feel like if someone demonstrates themselves to be you know, abusive or you know, doing things that I feel are fundamentally wrong, that, that, that does impact on their work. And I guess because I'm in the, the helping profession, you know, if, people, if people have oppressive views, that bothers me. That, that, that impacts my view of their values and their work. So they need to take the consequence for that. 
However, there's going to be in other situations which I'm deeply uncomfortable about, which is when views are imposed, like a dominant discourse, this is what everyone needs to think, and then it's not right. Mm. Because there are people who are scared mm. to speak up, who, who feel that they can't be their authentic selves, they can't <coughs> be allowed to be, and there's no room for dialogue, and that is wrong. So, it's, so I'm not quite a yes or no, but I did the best I could for you, Sabrina. Yeah. <laughs> Chris. Yeah, I, I think there's germs in, in the conversation in terms of what everyone has said. As someone who, you know, I look at, I think a lot of businesses right now, or leaders, they're under a certain social pressure because when something happens, whether it's conflict or disagreement, a lot of people are looking, you should be saying something. You should be saying something. People are looking at Drake, DJ Khaled. I'm a music guy, by the way, so I'll be making a lot of music references today. Why don't you say something? So I'm definitely on the side of, of free speech, and I, I do live in a world where there are consequences, but I think when you're dealing with a conflict in a situation that's basically people are dying, for someone to speak out against people dying and to be punished for it in the sense of being suspended or losing your job, that sends a message out to not just your employees, but the world. If I was working in that company and I saw my CEO or whoever I report to being fired or suspended as a result of saying, hey, this needs to stop because people are dying or paraphrasing and you punish them for it, you're sending a message to me. You're basically saying that we don't agree with that and anyone else who speaks up, you're gonna suffer the consequences too. And I think the world has changed, especially with you know Gen Z and younger people. They're not just looking for businesses to buy stuff from. They're looking for people that will advocate and speak on behalf of downtrodden, misunderstood communities. So yes, I don't think people should be punished for having views, but I understand why it happens. Okay, Larry? Yeah, I mean, the question about political statement, um, if I make a political statement, if I am the Jewish CEO of an international bank and I express a political statement that I believe Israel has a right to defend itself and to do what it needs to do to extract hostages and to protect its borders, that's a political statement. It's not racist, it's not sexist, it's not ageist, it's not any other ist you could mention. It's a political statement because that person would believe in the right for an Israeli state to exist, as an example. If a Palestinian CEO of an international bank, thank you, um, said that they believe that Palestine has a right to exist, that's a political statement perfectly valid political statement. If they said it was right for Hamas, a terrorist organisation, to kill women and children, that's not a political statement. In my view, there's a difference between what is politics and what is political correctness and what is racist, sexist, ageist, etc. The latter, I would expect to be sacked as a CEO, I think, if I expressed a racist, sexist, ageist view, I would expect to be sacked because there are degrees of acceptability for comment. But political views, I want to know the views of the leaders that I choose to do business with. And I'm quite prepared for them to have a view which is different to mine. It wouldn't stop me from doing business with them, so because they had a different political view. If there was a clash of values though, Alicia, you're absolutely right. Yeah. If the value set, they show, showed to me they were so far away from what I believe in as a human, I wouldn't do business with them. And depending on the degree of how bad they had been, would decide whether they would be sacked or not. But political views, I welcome people do that. Otherwise, people just are guessing what they are. 
and if you prevent free speech, and social media has a very big part to play here where people are running scared about expressing their own view because that view can be soundbited and sent out to millions of people very quickly, you end up with bland, banal, or even worse, subterranean views hidden in organisations, which is dangerous. That's why free speech is so important. So I want to pick up on something that you both actually said, but zeroing in on what you said, Chris, about if my leader says people are dying and there is no comment about that, then I would have an issue. People are dying around the world every day. Mm -hmm. I mentioned several countries that are currently in conflict. That's not in the mainstream media. So who chooses what to amplify? Is it the leader's responsibility to choose what to amplify? Or should they only respond to what's in the media? Should the leader choose or should they respond? That's the binary. Should they choose or should they respond? Because everyone is speaking about Israel and Palestine because there's a very specific intentional media focus on it. But they are not the only two places in the world mm -hmm. right now who have conflict and people are dying. So should the leader choose or should they only respond? That's my question. Larry, should the leader choose or should they respond? Leader choose. Okay, should the leader choose or respond? Leader choose. Okay. Chris, should the leader choose or, or should they respond? I think the leader should choose. Should the leader choose or should they respond? I think leader choose. I hate to do this, but I think they should choose as well. Mm -hmm. I hate to agree with what... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to be aligned. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a quick lunch. I came, I came here to dissent. Okay. So if they choose, if it's their choice, the moral compass becomes very interesting mm -hmm. because we don't know what they may or may not be aligned with. So is it dangerous to leave it to a leader to choose, leave it to the leader to choose what to amplify and make statements about when they are representing the company? Is that a dangerous precedent? When you are saying the leader should choose what they want to amplify when representing the company? Yes or no? Yes or no, Chris? Is it dangerous? Yes. Yes. Yes or no? Is it dangerous? Yes. Yes. Yes or no? No. Yes or no, Larry? Yes. Yes or no, Alicia? No, I don't think it's dangerous. Okay, so why do you think it is dangerous? Thank you. Why do you think it's dangerous, Chris? It's dangerous because even though we're dealing with leaders, they're still human beings and they're still people with biases and at some, to some degree, personal interest. So when leaders are choosing, you've just mentioned here there's a, there's a conflict in Congo. I didn't know. And I put my hand up to say I didn't know. So the, for me, the danger in terms of responding is that you're only responding to what you see, but then when you're choosing stuff, you may only be choosing things that affect you or affect the people that's closest to you. And if you're the leader of an organization or a business, I would like to think you have a diverse and rich workforce of people from different backgrounds, views, ideologies, etc. So it is dangerous because then choice can easily lead into a personal 
agenda and you're only choosing the things that you believe matter and then, then we have a power dynamic issue. And on that perfect note, speaking of power dynamics, thank you for the first course. I hope you will enjoy it. Was it was powerful, that, that pumpkin soup. Yes, it was very good. It was very, good. very good. You did get it on your white shirt. I'm no, okay. I'm I okay. did. <laughs> <laughs> Over to you, Chef Karen, to introduce okay. the next. So we have um, barbecue fried chicken. We have seasoned rice and salad. Thank you so much. This is amazing. Yes, please. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Thank you Chef Karen. Thank you. Mm. Um, Jill, you said, you said yes. I did, about whether it was dangerous. Yes. What I've been experiencing, mm -hmm. personally, is that suddenly everybody needs to be putting out a soundbite, mm -hmm. and not everyone is equipped to do it. And mm -hmm. you can do harm when you go boldly in without being well equipped. So I've seen this in a number of experiences where there's been school statements. Because now we're in, we're in a world where, I mean, you mentioned it, Chris, people want to hear what are your values, what do you stand for, da, da, da. Mm -hmm. But if you're sort of doing it in a sort of slightly sort of knee-jerk way, mm. it can be dangerous. So I have seen a lot of upset and difference of views and contention because people are doing this on the side of their jobs as headmasters, as head of companies. No, they're sort of, it's an add-on extra, and they're not always well-informed, equipped, in a good place to do it. Mm -hmm. so, it so it's dangerous when the leaders do it. Yeah. But it's also dangerous when we're just responding, because then the dominant do discourse chooses which conflicts we're paying attention to, and mm -hmm. which things are worthy of our outrage and despair. Yeah. So I think it's dangerous on all sides, okay. and there's not enough sort of reflection and thought about it. Larry, you said yes. I did. Talk us through your yes. Why, why is it dangerous for um, leaders to choose? If it, wasn't a non if it wasn't a binary question, I would have said yes, but it depends on the company. Yeah. Yeah. If I am the chief executive of Fox News and I express a view that all things Trump is fantastic and amazing and the, the Midwest will dominate America, and guns are good, all, the, uh, all that does for families, protection, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That'll trickle down to every single person who works for Fox News who wants to keep the job. That'll skew the narrative, and it will squeeze out anything else that's contrary. You end up with binary type of news outlets where some people obviously can make discerning choices. Others may just turn the TV on because they like that particular presenter or particular style of delivery. So that's an example where it would be extremely dangerous for the head of Fox News to express views which were that strong because it would squeeze out any other alternative view from that organisation. Um, but there are other uh, less extreme examples. Where it, would, where it possibly couldn't, wouldn't, be, wouldn't be dangerous to express a view. Um, and I know a couple of you worked in consulting firms. Um, you know, in consulting firms where there is debate, so EY, would, EY is an example, they encourage debate, they encourage alternative views, they encourage challenge and innovation and all of that. I don't work for EY, by the way. I mean, so. I'm like, really? Do that? That's not the EY we know. And that's interesting too. So it depends, it depends where you work in EY and who your boss is. But um, 
Yeah, I think it um, is, on balance, it is dangerous for any leader of an organisation to express so strong a view on something where you have less strong people working or people in lower levels of an organisation who then think that's the only way you're going to get on. People will boss watch, they'll copy, they'll repeat language, you get corporate speak, and all of a sudden you've actually got a culture and organisation which has been driven from, from the top and only the top. Now, I quite like Elon Musk in some ways. I watched some of the stuff with Sunak the other day. Here's an example of a chief exec, if he is chief exec or chairman or god of Tesla, stroke X, you name it, where he has no problem express, expressing a view. And I believe on balance, those views can be more dangerous than good inside Tesla and inside X, although I still call it Twitter and always will call it Twitter. So um, it depends what the company is, but you've got enough examples where you have very big personalities whose organisations are so huge, they can skew not just financial movements in markets, but also cultures in those firms and in the firms they impact upon. I would say it's more, more dangerous than not. And then we have the no's. So Anu, you said no. Why is it not dangerous? I think I rather know what the CEO of my company thinks and what matters to him. Sadly, there's a lot more him than her. I rather know what matters to him. Because if you read financial, the last week's Financial Times talked about the CEO of Unilever said, we have over-focused on sustainability and environment over profits. Thank Lord for saying that. Because now I know that I will not buy your products. <laughs> to the point you made, Larry, that yes, if the CEO of Fox News said everything Trump was fine, I'd rather hear that. Because I'm the kind of a person that doesn't look at the top to make my value judgments. I'm with you on that, Alicia. Mm. I will not do business with you. I will not associate with you if your values are terrible. But I need to know what those are. Mm. I'd rather you don't speak paid PR and you speak honest. You want to support, you know, you know, mining the oceans and throwing plastic in them? Crack on with it. I just won't buy from you. But if I don't know and if you just keep saying, yes, sustainability matters, mm. I will buy your products. I'd rather know what you stand for and I think, you know, I'm probably the only person who thinks Trump is not as mad as he is because he's been showing us for the longest time who he is. You fall for it. You believe in it. That's your mistake. That's our mistake, not his. He's never been a saint. He's been accused of sexual abuse 10 years ago. What was new about that? We choose to ignore that things as voters, if you are an American voter, which thankfully I'm not, to vote for him. I rather know the truth so I can make up my mind and I don't look and I don't think we should look at the top of the organization for judgment. If it aligns with your values, great. If it doesn't, world is big and wide for you to go and find people with the right values. Mm. You said no as well. What was your reason? What was your positioning on that? So I hear what everyone's saying and I, I partially agree with quite a few things with the yes side, side of what Larry mentioned as well, it being really dangerous. But the reason why I had to pick a side and say no is because I think there are some leaders that are not equipped to respond to situations. So if they have the choice not to respond, I think that that is okay and that is not dangerous. I think also 
there could be some leaders that do respond to situations um, out of choice as well, where they are actually informed and they give a really a, a good perspective on what it is, and that and that also isn't necessarily dangerous. And I think that the cases where it spiralled and there's been a negative impact, I don't know if dangerous is the right word. Dangerous just seems like fire, death, loss of life. It can equate to that. We're mm. talking about people in very yeah. powerful well, that's, yeah. positions. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is true. <clears throat> but I think maybe in my, from my perspective and my experience, I haven't seen enough experiences where it's led to danger. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I haven't seen enough maybe in my personal life or in the conversations that I've had um, and in things that I've read, I haven't seen enough situations that have led to losses of lives in companies from a political speaker speaking out, from a business leader speaking out. So that's why I have to be honest and say no. So let me um, just give you a different context given your your background. Um, Danger doesn't necessarily mean loss of life. Mm. Danger with a political statement could be an increase in microaggressions against black colleagues. Yeah, it could be microaggressions against women or LGBTQ, depending on what's mm. being said. It could be not getting promoted. Mm. Mm-hmm. So danger has a spectrum. Mm. I was thinking of the dangerousness right. of mental health. Yeah, mm-hmm. impact on mental mm. health. So there are, in some cases, what I say can absolutely mean equate that. to a loss of life. I've, ex- but I've on, experienced that as well. But on the other mm. end of the spectrum, it could mm. be the other things that people experience at work mm. that leaders very much hold the power dynamic mm-hmm. in. Thank you for breaking bread with us. It was a pleasure to have you as my virtual dinner guest. Breaking Bread is available where all digital streaming platforms are available. You You can also subscribe on YouTube and don't forget to follow, turn on your notifications and looking forward to the next time we break bread together. Food for the hungry mind. Gather round for some healthy conversation and a great spread You heard what they said, we're here to break bread Fill up your glasses fast and take it to your heads Then fill your belly with some hearty laughter that can wake the dead Can see from the golden brain of Sabrina Clark She had a vision, it was lit and then we've seen the spark And feeding minds became a fixture Now we're bringing back